0: Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence Fixed Income Credit Currency and commodities Strategists and Analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC Research Team.
1: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to this month's Emerging Market Lens and look through podcast i am your host damian sassauer and today we are joined by mr kevin Daly, investment director at aberdeen investments with a focus on emerging and frontier markets specifically a real privilege to have you here today kevin thanks so much for taking the time to join us
0: right so well thanks for having me today
1: well let's get right into it i mean we are in a bit of an interesting time kevin i mean spreads have gapped wider across the board they've come back in in recent sessions but em public debt more broadly speaking has surged to roughly 66% of GDP from 54% back in 2019. I'm talking rising rates, weaker currencies, below-trend GDP. All of these issues are making debt obligations harder to service in EM. I mean, my question for you is, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a broader trend of financial and political crises emerging? Um, can we see things stabilize from this point? What What, what are you seeing?
0: Um, what are we seeing? We've seen... Um... Quite a bit of volatility already at the start of the year. I mean, I think going into the year, um, certainly our base case and and the market was probably very similar. Uh, was that we would have um, you know several more uh, Fed uh, Fed hikes, uh, a Fed pausing by the first half of the year, um, dollar weakening, um, and uh, you know yields, you know Treasury yields sort of moderating, and you know a general sort of theme of spread tightening with a with a search for high yield and. You know, we very much saw that scenario play out in January, and then February comes along, and we start to see some stronger than expected uh, U.S. data, which then uh, brought the uh, Fed back into play in terms of, um, you know, uh, you know, f- further, you know, further to do beyond um, several hikes, and um, and then here we are in March, and uh, you know, everyone's talking about um, uh, U.S. mid caps and AT ones, and it's uh, you know, there's been a real spike in volatility, and, and I think the uncertainty has obviously resulted in in uh, Quite a bit of spread widening on uh, EM, and in particular on frontier market bonds. So it's been uh, quite a, a period of volatility, and uh, you know there's uh, there's several ways we could go and direction wise, and I'm sure we'll get into that uh, later in the discussion.
1: Well, Kevin, I mean you do mention that reach for yield, you know, for the, over the first few months of this year, and and even to this point right now, if you look at you know currencies more broadly speaking, it's been that search for nominal carry that's really differentiated the winners from the losers. I mean, if you look at XY, the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index. You know, heading into today, which is Friday, the 24th of March, we're up six consecutive trading sessions and 10 of the last 11 dating back to March 8th. I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts for EMFX in this environment? I mean, how long is this runway for dollar weakness? And do we, I mean, I guess, do you believe that some of the recent happenings, SVB, Republic Bank, you know, banking markets here in the US, do you think there's more to come?
0: Um, I, I, you know, our view on the, you know, first of all, we, you know, going into the year, we were generally pretty positive on local currency debt on on back of the view that we would get some dollar softness this year. And and, uh, yes, that played out in January, uh, some reversal um, uh, more recently at the beginning of the the banking crisis, SVB, obviously that uncertainty leads to a stronger dollar. But once the market started to interpret that as um, recessionary, given that um, um, credit conditions are are tightening with um, all of these uh, uh, mid-sized banks um, uh, failures and, and just, you know, people in general, um, um, you know, likely to take some deposits out and go to other banks. And, and uh, you know, that's going to lead to potentially some sound and slower uh, consumer spending. And on top of that, that kind of uh, brings the uh, U.S. recession risk back to the fore. You know, that means the Fed's going to have to do less, right? And the market's pricing and, um, you know, um, you know, uh, a, a less aggressive Fed. So that itself um, should lead to some dollar softness because the rest of the world looks like you know the u.s in in 2022 where mm-hmm. inflationary uh, pressures remain high and, and central banks remained remain uh, fairly hawkish. so um yeah so I think it does point towards dollar softness uh you know in uh, in the uh rest of 2023 although again who knows you know there could be another um, blow up or some uh tail risk around the corner which we're not factoring in and that obviously is uh, periods where you do get some uh, potential dollar strength but I think overall uh, it all points to uh, to dollar softness in,
1: in the, the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, we, we have been wrapping our heads here trying to figure out where the safe haven asset is in this environment because the dollar sure hasn't acted that way. And quite frankly, by extension, neither really has the Swiss franc or the Japanese yen, some of these more traditional safe havens. So I guess the question then is, <laughs> what risks are the markets not currently pricing in through year end, right? What is really, in your opinion, the pain trade for global financial markets? Forget about EM. Oh wow.
0: that's a, that's a loaded question. I guess it is. Uh, I know.
1: I apologize. I love. Yeah, I love to do this to you.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, you do. Um, I mean, what are we not pricing in? I, well, I think we're definitely not pricing in a uh, a big sell off in U.S. equities, and that has to be um, a, a risk factor, especially if we do uh, go into recession in the U.S. Um, and uh, we're speaking to someone about this this week, who uh, happens to be a, a family member who's over visiting in London this week is. Uh, uh, very, uh, very uh, big executive in uh U.S. commercial real estate uh, market. And she yeah. was telling me that there's a lot of write downs of properties and mark to market that has to occur. Um, you know, there's private equity, there's private capital uh, that's invested this stuff. And 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 that hasn't been um, has hasn't been marked down either. So, you know, if you get a combination of these factors, you know, the stress that we have seen already this year weighing on midsize banks, uh, and And potential stress for the rest of the year um, that is all points towards lower earnings right and um, you know you could you could argue that the u uh, s equity market is is not factoring in all of these um, all all these potential risk factors. so I would say that would be uh one of the tell risks out there that um, hasn't really been realized as a would be a a, a big uh, a big correction in uh, in the u s equity market.
1: Kevin, you are right in my wheelhouse. Let me emphasize that for my audience, most of whom are emerging market practitioners. Commercial real estate, we have $1 trillion of CREs maturing between now and the end of next year. That is an enormous maturity wall. And if cap rates in the U.S. move up by, say, 200 bps, which is likely, that equates to a 30% decline in the price of commercial real estate. And believe me, a lot of the equity in those loans have been scratched. So... You know, good luck going back to the market to raise additional equity with the Fed tightening rates. I mean, look at SoftBank, for example, Kevin. They just converted their WeWork senior debt into equity. That just tells you how bad the office leasing market is getting here in the U.S. So, you know, so I completely agree with you. There is more to come. Certainly, I think most of that risk would probably manifest itself in credit spread. So let's talk about something that's near and dear to you, you know, EM credit and specifically those sovereigns that are operating out along the frontier. You know what I'm talking about from Argentina and Lebanon all the way out to Sri Lanka and Pakistan and and, and and Tunisia. I mean, what are your thoughts with some of these some of these bonds, some of these countries, some of these economies? I mean, is there any value in owning the debt? Yeah, well I mean first
0: of all, um first of all there's been the there's been the you know the market impact the the the, the crisis from the again from you know kicking off with um svb and, and if we go back to february obviously the market starting to price in a more aggressive uh rate hikes um sorry about that um you know <laughs> sure. and we're, we're at a point now where where with the spread widening that that has occurred um there's a lot more countries trading at distress levels and um it certainly wasn't our base case that these countries would be regaining uh, market access um in terms of the uh, primary market this year um and that's very much playing out um given that um you know countries are generally with spreads of a thousand over or you know issuing at yields of 10 percent, you know double digit um, yields is uh, is uh, very difficult and, and highly unlikely and, and not really a good signaling um to the market we saw egypt come to the market um recently with a five years to cook at eleven percent and that bonds got absolutely destroyed. Um but so it's been a it's been a combination of factors which has pushed credit spreads higher. Um, you know, I guess if I'm gonna say some positive things about the um uh, the frontier space, um and I should since that's my specialty, um, you know, there's you know, there are a lot of countries which we think are not on the verge of default that, you know, still have generally um Modest uh, debt servicing uh, requirements in the coming years, and I would highlight, you know, Angola, Nigeria, very much in that category. Um, yes, they're oil exporters, and softer oil um, has also been a factor um, in this um, in this crisis period. Um, but you know, when you're getting paid yields of 13 to 14, you know, 12 to 14 percent on these bonds, uh, you know, I think you're you're getting ample compensation for this quote-unquote risk that you're taking on for. What I consider to be a, a fairly solvent um, situation, but there are again countries like Ghana, uh, you know, Zambia, um, you know, uh, Sri Lanka, which obviously has got some positive news recently. Um, and but there's other, you know, they are in uh, either restructuring negotiations, and there are other countries which are, you know, looking like potential restructuring candidates. But uh, I'm not fearful that we're going to have a wave of defaults uh, over the next year or two. And and a, a big reason for that is these countries are not facing a wall of maturities, um, uh, as you cited with the um, um, with some of these um, uh, property, uh, real estate uh, type of um, uh, maturities coming due. So, so yeah, so the good sign that they don't have a wall maturities. But look, you know, they're they are trading at distressed levels, and and the market's uh, very much placing a lot of attention on their prospects for uh, for debt servicing in the uh, in the short term.
1: You know, Kevin, tough to talk about. You know the emerging market landscape without really addressing China. You know Beijing's let it rip approach to economic reopening. I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And certainly, I didn't see that coming. I'm curious now, given all that's gone on over the past two to three years, how should offshore investors approach China in the current environment?
0: Um, I mean, I think China, obviously, yes, it was a big surprise to all of us. It was a welcome surprise because um, you know that was something which Jeremy uh, has been very positive supportive for EM. Um, you know, uh, going all the way back to the uh, you know, GFC um, in in 2008. But, you know, you know, the big difference back then was China was growing at 10 percent. And today, you know, it's closer to five. Right. And, uh, you know, forward looking, you know, growth expectations of China, that's probably, you know, five is your new 10. Right. Um, And, you know, what's different about this, uh, you know, the growth dynamics in China is it's it's likely to be less investment uh, intensive because of the um, you know, debacle that uh, we saw with the uh, property sector the last several years, so there'll be less emphasis on on uh, on construction and especially in the property sector, um, and and that means it's not going to be necessarily a commodity led uh, uh, growth uh, investment led growth uh, model, which uh, obviously was very positive for your commodity experts uh, exporters around the world. Um, so it's going to be more. Um, Um, you know, more on the uh, domestic uh, market, Uh, you know, China has a huge uh, pool of savings and some of that pent up demand to spend now is being unleashed. Um, So you are seeing, um, you know, pick up in, you know, in in some um, growth indicators, uh, which suggests that it's going to be less investment led and more on, um, you know, just more on on retail and, and, you know, kind of consumption in China, which yeah, so it's a different kind of a, a growth in China, but I think overall, it still is positive for EM and, and uh, you know, we, we very much uh, probably like the rest of the world, welcome that uh, surprise that we got, uh,
1: um, you know, late last year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kevin, also, I mean, the PBOC is playing ball, right? I mean, they just cut the triple R rate, you know, unexpectedly. I mean, you know, to that point, you know, EM policy rates are now well above pre-pandemic levels. But what we're also seeing, I think, is activity data reinforcing the negative impact of all that tightening we've seen across a number of large EM economies. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking Brazil, Chile, Czech, Hungary, you name it. You know, should investors be looking to receive in some of these markets? I mean, I was just running, you know, one year, three month forward rates across EM. And, you know, I ran that. I run that all the time. But, you know, what what we're seeing is that three month rates today are far higher than where they're expected to be only a year out. You know, I'm just curious, you know should we be receiving in the front end of some of these curves? Do you think there's value there?
0: Yeah. I mean, our our, our view generally is that we do see value in, in, uh, in receiving rates in a lot of these um, uh, local markets, I mean, Brazil and Mexico or two, which you name where uh, we are, um, you know, we, where we have a positions. I think discussion that we're having on the desk now is at what point do we uh, take our underweight in the CE up to a, you know, up to a market weight or, or overweight. And if, um, mm-hmm you know the, the view the view that it, we are going to get dollar softening um in in the rest you know in in good parts of of 2023 then you know that certainly is um is positive for euro dollar and yeah there's uh, there's plenty of opportunity to receive rates in, in that region too so I, I think um i think that's kind of the uh, the opportunity that uh, that we're looking at right now is to uh is to uh you know close out that uh, underweight in the uh, ce uh, ce space
1: Interesting. Well, listen. Before I let you go, Kevin, I just have to ask you. I mean, you mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, the move in rate fall. You know, I mean, obviously, it's come off a bit, but to me, this looks to be a beta regime transitioning from, you know, inflation concerns to growth concerns, right? So, very simply put, do you think it's possible that the Fed could engineer that soft landing it's uh, it, it's aiming for, or structurally speaking, um, is this is this headed for uh, for a hard landing uh, with dire consequences?
0: Um, I, I guess the hard landing is uh, still um, difficult to quantify at this stage. I, I think you have to expect, you know, more. You know, a base case we more of a of a, a mild recession. Um, but but you know, what we don't know yet is to what extent does the crisis in the um, in the mid-sized banks start to, you know, continue to spread, where where you get just a real sharp slowdown in in uh, consumption and um and on top of that obviously a uh, slowdown in growth and labor market cooling off you know all of the fact knock on uh, knock on factors i guess on a positive note um you know the comments by Yellen this week uh suggest um uh, as i refer to it it was draggy lights you know as we remember mario Draghi when he was the uh uh you know head of the ecb he said we'll do what it takes during the whole uh you know euro uh debt crisis and and uh, sure enough he was uh he was, uh, it, it proved to be true, right? So, you know, will this will this be the, the moment for Yellen to step up and say, you know, we'll do what it takes and we'll, you know, we'll continue to, uh, um, you know, and it seems to be a real focus there. So to some extent that could, you know, remove the worst case fears for a, a sharp slowdown uh, for a real big, you know, correction in the U.S. equity market. Um, but, you know, a, a mild recession, or soft landing, however you want to frame it, um, seems more likely now, um, and that's also, you know, in a way, it's um, it's good for for rates because uh, you know that means the Fed has less to do, um, if that's the case, and and uh, you know you know going back to uh, EM, you know high yields, uh, you know that potentially you do get a combination of yep. spread walking during a U.S. recession, but you also get Treasuries doing some of the work for you where. Um, high yield tends to perform uh, better. And I say EM high yield, say compared to U.S. high yield during recessions, that tends to be the case. So, yeah, that will be, um, there'll be potentially some good opportunities in rate space, and, you know, whether it's hard currency or local currency, I think that would be um, a a good opportunity for us uh, at some stage in, in 2023.
1: Kevin, thank you so very much for sharing your thoughts, sharing your views with us here today. And thank you to our audience of ever enduring, always committed, emerging market enthusiasts for your time and your continued interest. Keep well, stay safe and keep moving forward.